Hello, I'm Sierra. And I'm Mina. And you're listening to The Third Eye Sears. For today, our topic is going to be abortion. And uh, just a fair warning, it is a very hard and heavy subject to talk or to listen to, so be aware that um, things are going to get a little heavy today. Yeah, things are going to get heavy. We're not going to pull any punches, um, and we do. I, I like. We just want to preface this not just with the fact that it's triggering, but also that we don't want to shame any people you know women or trans or whoever who you know the people who can receive abortions and have or are debating it um because it's your choice and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks it's your choice and that doesn't mean we're saying that you should that doesn't mean we're saying that you shouldn't we're saying that you get to decide and it's your life all right so should i start off start us off So, I'm going to start off with going a little bit about the history of abortion. So, the earliest written record of abortion is more than 4,000 years ago. Um, (laughs) This morning I did a little tune, and I'm going to do it. I'm probably going to regret it, but abortion, abortion's oldest time. (laughs) Yeah, instantly regrettable, but... Instructions for inducing an abortion appeared in the Bible in Numbers 5.11 through 3.11, and God is described as Moses to present the test for an unfaithful wife. It was a ritual to be used by priests on women when accused by their husbands of being unfaithful. The ritual involved drinking a bitter water potion that would abort any pregnancy. Any comments? Um, I'm, like, highly disturbed. (laughs) Okay, so wait, 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 wait. So to break this down, in the Bible, it says that to test if a woman was unfaithful, then she has to have an abortion? Like, what if that was your baby? (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to shame the Bible because there are people who, you know, gung-ho with it and you can believe whatever you want but um yeah (laughs) maybe they weren't having sex with their husbands and then they got pregnant and their husband was like this has to be for someone else right because it's not a possibility that the this woman was raped or you know that he raped her or you know was too drunk to remember it or something like nah i just uh Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> okay <laughs> to continue <laughs> women from ancient egyptian times to 15th century relied on extensive pharmacopoeia of herbal abortifacients and contraceptives to regulate fertility um so they just used like a bunch of herbs and stuff as like the drinking potion to not become pregnant in ancient egyptians too like this thousands of years that women were like yeah no i'm gonna not be a mom uh, <laughs> anyways <laughs> so my organized group the four thousand years of choice stated abortions date all the way back to the 3000 bc era 
referencing the Royal Archives of China, which is where the first abortion was documented. Wow. 3000 BC. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy, especially like the more we get into like what's going on right now. It's just so crazy that like people are just like this this has never been done and this shouldn't be done and it's like, "Um, do you know history? <laughs> Have you done a quick Google search?" I promise you. Um 4 thousand five thousand years in the making here yeah and this is why it's so important to know our history about things like this because then we can really understand more of why it is important so toxic herbs early surgical methods where magic and spells would be used Ooh. and if you don't believe in magic or spells um you definitely should because Get out of here. i'm just that, kidding that shit's real so the u.s line timeline picks up in the 1600s when enslaved African women were using the cottonwood plants to abort fetuses in a moment when many pregnancies were the result of rape by slave owners. Um, colonial women used the savin from the juniper, the juniper bush, pennyroyal, tansy, ergot, and seneca snake root to abort pregnancies as well. In the early Roman Catholic Church, abortion was permitted for male fetuses in the first 40 days of pregnancy and for female fetuses for the first 80 to 90 days of pregnancy. I'm sorry, how did you know? How? <laughs> how did you know which one it was? I don't Magic. <laughs> I, but it was the Roman Catholic Church. They believe in magic. I guess maybe the Holy Spirit. They were like... The Holy Spirit is coming through me and it's a male. <laughs> Abort it now. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Don't even need to do a Google search. Like that's, that's it. Run with it forever. That's what happened. Well, and also like for everybody trying to say like, we should not believe in abortion because of the church. The Roman Catholic church was like, Hey, it's cool. So like, so it wasn't until 1588 did Pope Sixtus V declare all abortion murder with excommunication as punishment. But only three years later, a new pope found the absolute sanction unworkable. And again, abortion was allowed. 300 years passed with abortion being allowed before the Catholic Church under Pius IX again declared it murder. This standard, declared in 1869, remains the official position of the church. That shit's so crazy to me. <laughs> that is so crazy because my family is Catholic and, like, contraception is not a thing. Abortion, not a thing. Like, getting your tubes tied, not a thing. Like, I just, that's wild to me. Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. I'm like, it makes you wonder, too, what all these fathers are out here saying to their congregations, you know, I'm like, you're supposed to listen to the, the Pope, sir. Anyways, sorry. So before pregnancy tests were a thing, abortion was generally not prosecuted or condemned up to the point of quickening, which was um, the point at which a pregnant woman could feel the fetus's first kicks. 
oh. and movements. So if they haven't felt a kick or anything, then it could t- was totally okay to abort it. Now, after quickening, inducing a miscarriage was a common law misdemeanor. In 1821, Connecticut passed the country's first abortion restriction to make using poison after quickening a crime punishable by life in prison. Later, this sentence would be cut down to 10 years. (laughs) Like, can you imagine? (laughs) Wow. Such a drastic change. Such a drastic change. Like, how do you go from, like, yeah, you get to spend the rest of your life in prison, bitch, to, like, uh, 10 years. Ten years is a little more than just a pat on the wrist. <laughs> I mean, you're right, obviously, but, like, compared to spending life in prison, it's a slap on the wrist. Touche, touche. So several states followed this suit, and by 19th century, every state except for Kentucky, which waited until 1910, had passed anti-abortion legislation. So formed... In 1857, the American Medical Association immediately set out to make all abortion illegal, provided legitimacy to the incremental infringement on bodily autonomy. Now, in 1857, I I wonder what percentage of the uh, American Medical Association was made up of men, specifically white men, all of them. I can tell you right, I don't even have to Google it, guys. All of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why are they the ones making these decisions? Then politician and morality advocate Anthony Comstock began his crusade against birth control, sex workers, and eventually abortion. In 1873, the Comstock Law outlawed contraception and abortion with limited exceptions for health. With the passage of this law, women lost what had been their common law right. He also later uh, jailed Margaret Sanger, who was the woman who started birth control that we talked about in our last episode. Wow. So, yeah. (laughs) Like, how wild. What a short, what a small world. Yeah. Full circle. (laughs) Full circle. Yep. Um, He put her in jail in the late 1920s. And... By this time, some 15,000 women a year died from abortions because safe legal procedures were nearly impossible for most to obtain. Dangerous self-induced methods included using knitting needles, crochet hooks, hairpins, scissors, and button hooks. With the death tolls rising, physicians in 1930s began providing clinics And in subsequent decades, individuals and doctors banded together to work around protest and prohibition. In the 1950s, approximately 200,000 to 1.2 million illegal unsafe abortions were performed per year. And it's so wild how big of a range that is because we really have no idea. No idea. Because it was illegal. Like, who's going to be like, oh, yeah. Add me to your account. Like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to get jailed. Yeah, um, that's just crazy. You said we left off the 1950s with your research. So with my research, we're going to jump into the thick of it. Roe v. Wade, um, which was in Texas. 
It was a legal case in the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm just kidding. This is a serious matter, so we're going to get into it seriously. So, Roe v. Wade was a legal case in the U.S. Supreme Court. They reached a ruling on January 22, 1973, that said unduly restrictive state regulation of abortion is unconstitutional. So, basically just saying criminalizing abortion is unconstitutional. Um, so, it all began in Texas in 1970. A woman using the pseudonym Jane Roe, so her name actually wasn't Roe. It was something else, but I chose not to write it because she probably used a fake name for a reason. It, it's in news articles. You could find it if you want to, but, like, I just thought it respectful. Like, she used a fake name for a reason. That's not the point. That's not the point here. The point is what happened. So, um, she brought federal action against Henry Wade, who was the district attorney at the time of Dallas County. When the Supreme Court came to a decision, they said abortion could be done up to 24 weeks after conception, which they termed to be the viability of the fetus, or basically when the fetus could live outside of the womb. Um, so, next what happened is in 1992, um, a challenge was presented against roe v wade and this was the first challenge to it so like there was a solid 20 years where everybody was just like cool we can deal with this so this was um the suit of planned parenthood of southeastern pennsylvania versus casey um so statutes were enacted in pennsylvania requiring women to give informed consent but also minors required parental consent and married women had to notify their spouse come on now that's like the whole thing of like they used to not give you birth control if you were married because they were like why do you need birth control you're married a uh, bitch i don't want a million kids like kids are great but like also i don't want any right now so <laughs> married or not and i'm not so hit me up um anyways so uh fuck where was i okay but also minor okay so yeah, yeah 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 so before these laws could go into effect planned parenthood of southeastern pennsylvania sued the governor which was you know his last name was casey that's where the the KC comes in on the lawsuit. Anyways. So the Supreme Court um, stated, wait. Yeah. The Supreme Court stated this to be unconstitutional under the grounds of undue burden standards. So basically it's a law saying that um, anything that is put into law or enacted simply just to make it harder for women to get an abortion, um, that that's unconstitutional because you're just trying to make it harder and basically eliminate the opportunity for them to by putting more obstacles in the way you know so the whole undue burden thing is just like extra unnecessary obstacles so they basically said um yeah any any laws that are just roadblocks are invalid and um they so they they did end up upholding like every law in that in all of those law, oh, sorry, I'm like struggling right now. <laughs> um, no, but um, the Supreme Court did uphold every law that Pennsylvania put into effect, except for the one of having to notify your spouse. So like it makes sense that a minor needs to notify their parents or something like, you know, granted, like that's still a rough scenario because sometimes your parents, you know, like if you're 17 and basically an adult, like things can get iffy there, you know? But, like, if you're, like, 10 years old, you shouldn't just be able to go to a fucking, you know, 
anyways and i know 10 seems like a a young number but we're gonna get into it here in a second so pretty much every lawsuit after this one centered around the same undue burden thing or just like unnecessary obstacles but yeah everything that was presented against roe v wade um in like lawsuit form with the the supreme court was all just had to do with undue burden it was just a bunch of states being like we're gonna throw obstacles in your way because we don't think you should be able to do this so then comes march 2018 mississippi dobbs versus jackson women's health organization it's the final suit that was petitioned against roe v wade this is the suit that had it overturned So what happened is um, when the state of Mississippi adopted the Gestational Age Act, HB 1510, which prohibited all abortions after 15 weeks. Now, if you're paying attention, earlier I said that Roe v. Wade stated that you had to let people have abortions up to 24 weeks because that's when the fetus becomes viable and it can live outside of the womb, right? But anything less than that is unconstitutional because the fetus is not viable yet. So um, what happened was when this Gestational Age Act um, came into effect, the Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the only abortion clinic in Mississippi, sued mississippi for doing this law saying that they couldn't have abortions past 15 weeks so they won originally in the local the in the local district supreme court they won um and what happened was mississippi um appealed to the federal supreme court so when that happened um what a lot of the things that Mississippi said to, you know, the federal Supreme Court was like, hey, first off, this this Jackson Women's Health Organization, they only do abortions up to 16 weeks anyways, because the clinics, they can decide up to when they'll do it. But it's you just can't do laws against it. You can't be like, yeah. You just can't do laws against it because that's unconstitutional. That's when we're breaching grounds here. A a clinic can do whatever it is that they want to do, um, except go past those 24 weeks. So um, Mississippi, and when they they appealed to the federal Supreme Court, they were like, well, they only do it up to 16 weeks, so we're only cutting one week off. I don't know why they're complaining. And never mind that, but abortion isn't even mentioned in the Constitution. It's not mentioned at all. So how can you say that this is constitutional or not if it's never mentioned in the Constitution? Which is when the Supreme Court was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is a debate as to whether abortion is constitutional at all rather than just this 15-week ban. Yeah. So what ended up happening, as I'm sure we all know by now, is the Supreme Court ruled in Mississippi's favor and overturned Roe v. Wade, rather than just saying, yeah, this 15-week ban is legal in this one state. They were like, oh, yeah, no, we're just going to overturn this whole thing. States can decide for themselves. And yeah, that's pretty much where we are today. Um, Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything here. So um, I will say that there was uh, something called H.R. 3755. So it's um, the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021. And it was a bill proposed in 2021, obviously, as a replacement as a replacement for Roe v. Wade. Um, 
it would be along the same lines as far as rights it's pr- it provides but unfortunately when it went through the senate it was made so unfortunately i tried to doing research i don't know a whole lot about how our system works honestly it's all low-key very confusing to me um but i'm fairly certain at the very least if we blow up our representatives like their numbers not not literally <laughs> blow them up please don't literally <laughs> blow them up i just meant i just meant their lines okay it's just their phone lines if we just blow up their phone lines and, um, you know, like our House representatives and our senators, then, you know, this could – if this is how the system works, again, I have no idea. I tried doing research to understand this shit, but a lot of it just goes way over my head. Um, <laughs> there's a reason that I'm not in the political atmosphere. Um, but, you know, possibly this could be pushed back through to the Senate from the House because it was passed in the House. It just had to go through the Senate and then up to the President. And, um, you know, possibly it, be, it could be pushed from the House through the Senate again. Or, you know, it could be rewritten and then proposed as a completely new, you know, act. And, yeah, go through again. But, like, we really have to let people know that this is what we want because not that I'm not going to say that it always matters because it definitely doesn't. But... Um, it's important to make sure that our representatives who are rep- representing us know what it is that we want, you know, and there has been such a public outcry. And I'm not saying that protesting doesn't work and, you know, helping the funds that help people travel to get abortions or pay for their abortions and stuff like all of that stuff helps. But like we also have to demand change from the people who can make it, you know, and that doesn't solely come from protesting, you know, that comes from calling your representatives and I'm not even going to sit here and act like I've done that already because I haven't and I need to but like it's something that I'm going to do today honestly because like it's something that we have to do it's something that we have to do yeah and really the only thing that we can do now is is what I just said just call call the people who can make change you know go to protest because that is a physical manifestation of of you know change that needs to happen and it puts it in the limelight you know um puts it in front of the media and in front of the eyes of people who can make the change happen and you know donate to the funds that you can donate to Planned Parenthood donate to all of the funds that are helping people travel donate to the funds that are specifically for trans people because a lot of the rhetoric of what we're talking about is women's rights but it's not just women there are trans people who also have ovaries and we need to respect them as well and what they're going through because they can also get pregnant and they can also need an abortion you know so yeah just being conscious of all of that and doing what we can and and conscious also that this isn't just um this isn't just about a woman's choice this is about life or death for some people this is about like for oh my gosh okay I was just telling Sierra about this but in Ohio they banned abortions past six weeks and there's no exceptions for rape or incest and a 10 year old came into an abortion clinic she was six weeks and three days pregnant and they could not provide an abortion for her because the doctor would have lost his medical license so he was calling neighboring states to try to find her a 
<clears throat> try to find her a doctor that can perform this abortion because she's 10. She's 10 years old. It was a product of rape and she doesn't deserve to live with that for the rest of her life. I mean, already what she's going through is enough. Having to have that abortion is enough. But could you imagine becoming a mother at 10 years old? I couldn't imagine being a mother at 25 years old. Exactly. And like, and if you had had a child at 10 years old, your child would almost be graduating high school right now. That's insane to me. And, and she's not allowed to have an abortion in the state that she lives in. That's absolutely insane. There are states that are, um, they aren't allowed to provide like an assisted miscarriage. If a woman is miscarrying, they're only allowed to help abort the baby if the woman, if her vital signs are showing that she's crashing. So if she is about to die, that is the only time that they are allowed to, to do this. And it's just, I'm not saying that's all states. Thankfully, we live in a state where, like, nothing has changed yet. Thankfully, I mean, we are in the Bible Belt and we're in the South. So, like, I'm not holding out hope that it's going to stay that way. But um, but I am grateful that, you know, not that it's not something that I've needed, but I'm grateful that it's an option that I have, especially if I were to get pregnant and something were to go wrong health-wise, you know, like my sister, she had an ectopic pregnancy and she thought that she was having a miscarriage. Thankfully, it was just an ectopic, do you know what an ectopic pregnancy is? Um, is that where the egg is in like the fallopian tube? Because my mom had one of those. Yeah, so it's when the egg is in the fallopian tube, and luckily for her, it was just, my, my sister, it was just inside the fallopian tube, so it was able to readjust to go inside of the ovary, and she was able to have a healthy pregnancy, but in the beginning, she was, she was beginning to hemorrhage, and she was bleeding a lot. We had to go to the ER, and, you know, they did some tests and stuff, and they were like, it should pass on its own, you know, but then she, it ended up, she came to full term and had a beautiful baby boy love my nephew but um but yeah you know and like she could have if if things had been different if things had been more like they are today and we had lived in a different state and you know the egg hadn't readjusted the way that it had she could have died my sister could have died that day i could have spent the last 10 years without my sister and that makes me want to cry <laughs> you know I just say there are statistics that um, when abortion is legal, that there are actually less women having abortions than when it is illegal, which is crazy to think. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say, too, like, this also isn't just about providing quality health care to people who need it and deserve it, um, but it's also about think, about, think about the women who are going to commit suicide. Think about the women who are going to be murdered. Like, that brings tears to my eyes because there's nothing they can do about their situation. And their life is going to be taken simply because this basic human right was stripped away from them. And it's just so fucked. It's so fucked. And, like, people think that it's just, especially, like, I was having a conversation with my stepdad who... I love and you know he is does lean towards the right and is a bit more conservative and you know he happened to make a comment to my sister where he said abortion is murder 
And I had to sit down with him and be like, listen, 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 listen. You need to take a step back and look at the big picture here. Okay? Because this isn't just about lives that have just been conceived being taken away. You know what I mean? Like, their heart might not even be formed yet when somebody has an abortion you know like they might not be even be kicking yet they might not have anything yet you know what makes you think that this is a life you know and and what gets me too I'm sorry one second what gets me too is so much of this is based off of the Christian religion and for what reason we are not a Christian country this country it's constitutional that this country has freedom of religion. It is in the constitution. So why the fuck are we acting like it's a Christian country? Why are laws being based off of this? If we look at uh, the Jewish religion, they don't believe that life happens until birth, you know? So why aren't we basing it off of that? Why aren't we basing it off of what Muslims think? Why aren't we basing it off of, you know? Rather, what we should be doing is basing it off basic human right instead of some religion that not everybody in this country believes. Speaking of basing it off of Christian uh, religious beliefs, it's not that, because if this was strictly about the babies, there would be health care provided, there would be formula, which we are actually in a shortage in right now, there would be free diapers, there would be free daycare. This is about control over other people, period. Mm-hmm. Especially because if we're being real here... Rich white people are still going to be able to do what they, they want to do. They're still going to have the resources to go get their abortion wherever they need to. And um, a lot of what this affects is marginalized communities. And it's all about keeping poor people poor and keeping brown people down. Because it's just all about power. It's all, like you said, it's all about power and control. Because if we look at it too, giving birth... Look, We'll just start at giving birth because, first off, prenatal care, not cheap, okay? Giving birth costs anywhere from seven dollars to $20,000. Um, then, and that's just for mom. That's not even for baby. Then you have to look at uh, day, daycare or, like, you know, child care in general, right? That's around $14,000 a year for a single child for just one, like, what? That's like a third of the money that I make in a year. You know? Like, that's absolutely insane. Never mind all of the food, the actual health care that you have to provide this child, you know, like all of these things. And there's very little set up in our system to help people with this. Like, there's, there are systems that, that help with daycare. There are systems that help with, like, we have food stamps and, you know, Medicare and things like that. But they only go so far and they only help so much. And they don't help everybody who needs it. It's not instantaneous. It, um, especially for, I'm not quite sure about food stamps, but um, childcare that's, you know, helped. It takes months, even years, to get these things. And you can't just press pause on your child from growing and be like, no, we can't afford you childcare. So I'm going to need you just to, like, calm the fuck down. Right. And just the fact of becoming a parent, like, this isn't a dog or a cat or a plant or a plant. This is a human being mm-hmm. with complex feelings. 
and you are literally shaping the lives of our next generations to come. Mm-hmm. And that's just so scary to think that, sadly, there is going to be so much trauma in humanity because women are going to be forced into either having illegal abortions and dying or becoming miserable because they were forced into being a mother and then not being the best mother that they can and then these children are going to have trauma because of it and for that fucking argument of well then you should just give the baby up for adoption there are over 400,000 children in the, the foster care system right now like that's not an option and if you are one of those people saying that shit then go foster a fucking child okay um, please only if you're fit to be a parent. But like my point is, is like if you're going to say that shit, be about it. Because I mean, I want to foster a child. I'm not at the point where I'm ready to be a mother in any way, shape or form right now. But, you know, when I'm in my 30s, I want to foster children and I want to help and do what I can. But like that doesn't mean I'm out here saying like, well, you don't need an abortion. You should just have that baby full term. And also pregnancy isn't just like a walk in the park. Okay. For some women, it's fucking fabulous. And for a lot of other women, it's living hell, okay? It's heartburn, indigestion, feeling like you can't breathe, having to pee all the time and peeing on yourself, not ever being able to eat enough and feel satisfied. Like, it's just absolute hell for some people. When my sister was pregnant, she referred to her children as fetuses and she was loving them. She was having them in a loving way. And she called them as she called them fetuses and parasites because that's basically what they are. They're parasite. They're feeding off of everything that you put into your body and they get everything before you do, you know? And yeah, it's just sorry. I want to go back to the kids in um, foster care. There are only about 10 to 15 percent who actually go into decent homes. Most of them are in foster homes or in still in the system. And these homes, most of them are not good. There's black mold. There's, they're not well kept. Um, a lot of these people are just having all of these kids for the cash, for the checks. Mm-hmm. They're mooching off the system. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to me to think of someone is up there, you know, in the Senate thinking, oh, well, this unborn child is more important than the people already living. Right. Because this whole pro-life bullshit, I'm sorry, you you are not pro-life. You are not pro. If you are pro-life, then give us the health care. Then give us the food stamps. Then give us the child care. Then, you know, provide the mental health services needed. Provide, you know, like do everything you can on top of doing abortions because abortions are pro-life as well okay i mean it's pro-choice sure but it's pro-life a woman gets to live her life you know um a child doesn't live their life fucking miserable and traumatized and you know like there it just goes so much deeper than this and then the children who are alive and in foster care have a better chance of living a better life because there aren't the system isn't as burdened with all of these fucking children you know and it makes you wonder a year two years three years from now like how much is that number going to skyrocket from over 400,000 are we going to get are we going to hit a million oh 
are we gonna hit 1.5 million like and i've um this is just a conspiracy theory but i've also heard it said that one of the reasons that they did it was because birth rates are down Mm -hmm. because people our age because we're like the ripe time of kids people having kids and shit don't want kids most of this is because of inflation. It's not that, you know, some of us don't want kids. There are some people out there who have just gotten married and who do want kids. But it's expensive enough to live as yourself, to own or rent a home, to have a car, to eat. Like, everything is just getting so expensive. And, yeah. Before this podcast ends, I did want to have a discussion Um, And this is solely just our own beliefs and thoughts of my whole thing that I've been questioning about abortion and that comes with Christianity um, side of it, I guess, is what is morally wrong and right about abortion? So I'm going to give you the, the thing first and ask you what do you think is is there a point where abortion is morally wrong i feel like the supreme court had it right the first time honestly i think that once the fetus becomes viable and can live outside of the womb it becomes murder because i feel like if you have to if you have to like manually kill that child after you pull it out of the womb then like yeah that's kind of fucked kind of fucked but i'll also say i feel like there should be exceptions for certain things because i know of someone i'm not gonna name or you know but i know of someone who had an abortion and she was doing a lot of drugs at the time and she was almost to her third trimester and you could not tell she didn't she didn't even have a slight bump and she was skinny mini yeah and it was because she was doing so many drugs the fetus was not able to develop. And um, she was able to go and get an abortion because there was like an exception or something like that. Or either that or like she lied or I don't know. But, you know, like there are points in time when like it's when it, for me it's like it's not specifically 24 weeks. It's just when the fetus becomes viable. And if the fetus is never going to become viable, then I mean, you know, there are exceptions when one should be able to get an abortion because she didn't know she was pregnant until then she didn't know because she was also doing so many drugs her period was irregular she wasn't having her period like that like you know and so i i feel like i feel like if anyone wants to get an abortion before the fetus becomes viable they shouldn't feel bad about it you know not to say that they won't feel bad about it they might you know and they might hold on to that regret for the rest of their life, but I feel like you should also hold on to the reasons why you did it in the first place because there was obviously a reason and it was a good enough reason to do it, you know? And I feel like you shouldn't shame yourself just because, you know, like I know for me personally, I have no idea. If I were to get pregnant right now, I have no idea what my decision would be. I would definitely consider abortion though. I'm not ready to be a mother financially, emotionally, mentally, none of it, none of it, not ready at all. Um, (laughs) but you know, I think it is something that I would hold on to for the rest of my life too, you know, like it would be really hard if that was the decision that I made 
And I wouldn't say that it, it would be an easy decision by any fucking means. I don't want anyone to think that we're sitting here being like, oh, you want an abortion? Just go get one. Whatever. You know, like it, it is heavy, you know, and for some people it's not. And that's totally cool because if it's not, then it's not, you know, you shouldn't pressure yourself to feel shame either, you know, but you know, I do understand that it is a heavy decision to make for some people. And I know for me, it would be, you know, I absolutely agree. I agree with the quickening as well. Um, like once you feel a kick or a movement that, okay, this is like a, a real thing. You know what I mean? It's not just a bunch of cells, but okay. It's alive. (laughs) (laughs) It's alive. (laughs) I did it better. Um, but (laughs) okay. (laughs) Um, but also that a lot of cases should be looked at case by case because for the most part there are women who just slip up and they get pregnant by, you know, having sex with a partner or whatever. But there are cases that are way more grim than that and it's not fair to them to have to have a baby uh, like after rape or anything in that kind of situation there should be you know loopholes or something I definitely think so and I just also feel like this whole thing of like I feel like a lot of what um you know like the pro-life people do is they shame these women who have to get these abortions but there are also women who have to get them for health reasons and they wanted to keep the baby you know, like none of this is all, none of this is black and white. This is all in a gray area. None of this is easy. None of this is clean cut, you know, and I, I hate the people who take things to extremes and polarize these topics because then it becomes like a us versus them type thing when it's like, no, let's have a conversation and sit down about all of this that this means, not just the choice to have an abortion because I got drunk last night and you know no like everything that it means like that poor 10 year old in Ohio you know like the women who have to nearly die before they can be assisted in their miscarriage you know it's it goes so much deeper than just a woman's right to choose or a person's right to choose because again I need to stop saying women's because it's not just women there are trans people out there too who also have these reproductive organs who can also get pregnant and can also have abortions and go through the exact same things you know these people can also unfortunately you know be raped and be going through the same situations or you know get pregnant and be excited about it and then have a miscarriage and you know and and as a trans person receiving any type of health care or help from the public in general I'm sure is already so scary because there are so many people who automatically demonize you just because you're living your life happily and let alone you know having to come into an healthcare system and putting your life in their hands like that has got to be so hard but yeah it's just it's just really deep. It's just really deep. And at the end of the day, I feel like the biggest thing that we have to do is not shame people for anything that's going on and not assume anything either, you know? I mean, isn't that what America's all about? You know what I mean? The freedom to be able to choose and choice choices that you make in life aren't black and white. There's a lot of, you know, gray areas and different things. 
And bottom line to this uh, overturn is that a lot of people are going to die because of this. And the question becomes, how many deaths are we going to have when the government realizes that this is a human rights, you know, choice? This has really nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I really hope that we can come to an understanding and that this isn't something of a start of something even scarier. Because that was my first initial uh, response was we had all this progress of you know same sex marriage and abortion and women's rights and we're fighting for like more people are kind of like understanding about black people's rights and like how the police act against them and just like being more attuned of what is actually going on and then this happens so I'm like instantly like this is the end this is all of our rights are going to be taken away (laughs) it's a little traumatic but yeah no it literally felt like the beginning to the end like it immediately feels like okay like so now they're going to come after our birth control next and then they're going to come after you know other basic rights that we have yeah and it just it it's just so scary you know it's um it's funny because I saw this tweet and this girl she was like um when I said I wanted 70s vibes for the summer I didn't mean I wanted my rights taken away and no but that's like such a fucking true thing like we've done so much progress within the last 50 years and it's just so wild literally a year before you know Roe v Wade turned 50 that shit gets overturned and it's just so scary which is one of the reasons why we need to take action and call our representatives and let them know that we do need this you know women's rights act to go through because yeah and even though it's super hard we got to stay positive because at the end of the day our thoughts are what creates our reality and so we don't need to worry and you know do take action and do believe that there is going to be a time that things are going to get better Mm -hmm. yeah that's all I have for this episode yeah, and I'll, I'll say real quick, it's hard not to panic. It's super hard not to panic. And it's super hard to feel like you have a right not to panic. But you do have a right not to panic. You have a right to find balance. You have a right to, you know, be happy and be positive, even with everything that's going on, even with all of the tragedies that are going to come because of this. You know, we still have to find our own balance because you can't get burnt out and not be able to help, you know. But if you haven't, you definitely should follow us on Instagram at Third Eyesears Podcast or shoot us an email and give us some concerns, questions, give us some topics to talk about. And that is Third Eyesears Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on YouTube now. Hi. Um, you know, Third Eyesears Podcast, as you probably should have assumed by now. What is it again? I don't think I heard you. Third Eye Sears podcast. That's a Third Eye Sears podcast coming to you. <laughs> All right. But I hope you guys liked this. I hope you were a little more enlightened about abortion and why it is very important. And I hope you are keeping that third eye open. We will see you next week. <laughs>